Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Wow. Nothing compares, does it? Nothing compares. Nothing at all. When we come before the Lord and we bow down to Him and we worship Him and we interact with Him and we build a relationship with Him, nothing, nothing in this world can compare to that. Not even close. As the world chases things, they chase all sorts of things and it always falls short. They're always dissatisfied because it's apart from the Lord because nothing compares to our Lord. Father, thank you so much that we can gather in your house today. What a glorious morning it is to be in your house. Nothing compares to getting together with other believers. Your church coming together and to worship in spirit and in truth, man, to shout it out loudly, to to actually join the rocks, join creation to cry out and groan for your goodness and your return, Lord. Lord, we're ready. We are ready. But until then, Lord God, help us to be at work for your kingdom. Jesus, as we turn our attention to this this time we know is Passion Week. Jesus, we just bow down. We're just in awe of, of what you did. Everything that transpired, Lord God, help our hearts to realize that and understand that. Help us not to to go about our busy days living in this busy world and and not understanding what actually transpired. So Jesus, we humble ourselves to you this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. Holy Spirit, you're here and it's a great thing and we desire you to be here. Rule and reign in this service. Lord God, prepare us, prepare each one of us to receive as we we transition from such a wonderful, powerful, beautiful, time of worship as we as we move into the word lord god help us not to shut down or tune out but help us welcome your challenge your conviction the change that you bring into our lives the confirmation that beautiful confirmation that you bring jesus lord king savior it's 100% about you and we will continually speak the name of Jesus in this house no matter what the world tries to influence us with or tell us we will proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord our Savior the only one and the only way we pray all this in that very name of Jesus and everyone shout it out Great stuff. Now you guys don't get all quiet on me now. We're going to have one of them loud type of services. Amen.
we like that. Hey, why don't we, let's dismiss the kids right off the bat here. Going to be a good time downstairs. Going to be a good time upstairs. Uh, we're going to run through announcements relatively fast this morning. I say that every Sunday, and we don't always do that. But um, biggest thing, biggest part of announcements is, like I said, we're starting Passion Week. This is really the kickoff. Um, we're going to have a good Friday service. You guys know that. It's at 6 o'clock this Friday, followed by our resurrection service Sunday at 10 a.m. Please invite people. Here's, there's more cards out there. You guys have taken a lot. Don't hesitate to invite people. Don't think, oh, they probably wouldn't come, or what if this or what. Just invite people. And I would say this, too. I would just remind you guys that... These are very, very, very different services. It's not the same service twice. Um, Good Friday is all about the sacrifice, the crucifixion. Sunday is all about the the resurrection, Jesus raising. Um, you really need to be to both services, right? To get that full effect, you can't have the 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 resurrection before the sacrifice. And you can't just focus on the resurrection. You also have to focus on the sacrifice, but vice versa. We don't just so focus on the, on the crucifixion, but we also focus on the resurrection. So when you invite people, encourage them to come both days. It'll be, it'll be good. It'll be, be wonderful. So be here. We can come a little bit early. Well, I'll be here, obviously, way early um, on Friday. Come whenever. We're going to start at 6 p.m. And then get ready. Get ready for Resurrection Sunday. All right. A couple more quick announcements. We need musicians, don't we? Don't we need musicians? Amen. So if you play the guitar, you play the bass, you play the drums, you play appropriate things for up here. Um, like the kazoo, not so much probably, um, but you never know. Some of you guys are probably good at the kazoo. Holler, holler at Jen, holler at John, holler at me. We just need to get people up here participating in worship. Um, that being said, we also need people for Facebook video. It's getting crucial here that we that we we build some more people up and train them as we're going to shift over to our new system hopefully friday hopefully we'll have our new system up and running friday but we need people so if you're techie even in the little bit if you have a computer if you know what a computer is if you know how to turn a computer on you can be trained to help with this. And it's not that big a deal. The biggest part about Facebook Live is, is beforehand. It's like you don't have to worry about the time of service like people on the, the computer do that are running the screen. Those guys have the pressure. Um, but you get it started early, and you get it going, and everything works. So if you have that, I'm going to not say if you have that interest. If you have that ability, please. Tell us. Um, Church 101, there's been a sign-up for that. Uh, I put out handouts last week, but they took off quickly. So there's more handouts um, once we get through Easter and Good Friday, Rest Sunday, all that. Um, we're going to schedule a meeting. But I'm, um, if you can go through the material beforehand, it's a really good thing to understand and be able to look through that. If you don't like paper, holler at me. I can send it to you in an electronic file. 
right, through your computer, which then I can say, well, if you're getting it on the computer, then you're probably good at the computer, and you could probably work on Facebook. See, it all works together. It all works together really, really great. Um, one last announcement I have. If you're on the prayer ministry team, the teams that, that meet during worship in the back, um, we're going to have a meeting after service, so hang around. Um, we'll even feed you, but we just, we're going to run through some things. So prayer ministry team, don't leave. Hang around, and we're going to do that. Sandy has an announcement for West of 50s. Sandy, here's the microphone so people online can hear you. Very on the planet, the other planet. Uh, very, very quickly. Uh, we are going to have our mystery dinner theater this time in West of 50s. And first of all, it's April 16th. Your bulletin said the 19th. I made a mistake the first time. That was March. That was the 19th. There's no Sunday with 16th. I mean, with the 19th. It's April 16th on Sunday, right after church. It is the untimely disappearance of Pastor Henry Hickenbottom. So you really want to come to this and enjoy a time of mystery. We have to figure out what happened to poor old Pastor Hickenbottom. And we need some characters uh, to do this. First of all, you do not have to... Uh, to memorize anything. If you want to be a character, I will give you a description of your character and that's all you need to know. And then at the end, people get to ask you questions, so you need to think like that character to answer the questions. But other than that, it's not. But if you just want to come and participate, you don't have to be a character. But I need to know how many are coming so I can prepare the dinner. It's going to be a really nice dinner along with the mystery. So. The sign-ups are in the back on the table. If you want to be a character, there's a list of characters. There's eight characters that we need. And then there's a sign-up that says you want to participate as a character or as part of the audience. So come. It's going to be fun. I can volunteer to disappear. <laughs> Do it. I even have to show up where I'm already disappeared. All right. Uh, we got a quick, another quick update. Try. Try. Um, legislation stuff is rocking and rolling right now. Well, I had was scared that they'd all come at once, and yeah. Okay, Senate Bill 99, Provide Youth Health Protection Act, is headed to the governor's desk, <coughs> and he is on record as saying careful consideration of all the bill. Mm. Scary. Um, Senate Bill 154, Right to Privacy, No Right to Abortion, was heard in the committee on the 31st, and every committee hearing, I put scripture in the hearing. Um, they need to hear the word of God. House Bill 234, revised disseminating obscene materials to minors laws, that's in the public school system where they're teaching kids how to um, interact with each other in a way that they shouldn't. Um, and that's gonna be heard on Tuesday at eight o'clock, and I will be there in person with all your signatures. And House Bill 359 is drag shows, prohibiting them, and that's gonna be heard, um, excuse me, that's heard on Tuesday, the other one's heard on Thursday. And I think that's it, I tried to make it short, but we are in heavy battle. The Capitol Rotunda was full of transgender on Friday morning, screaming and saying that their rights are being violated. And it's 
time for prayer. We need warriors. I send out the notices on the prayer chain. That's where you're going to get them. So I think that's it. If you have any questions, ask me after service. And Amen. Are, are we... Are we just that radical? Or, I mean, to, to bring this up, to, to pray about it, to say, hey, um, we believe that there's a better way to do things based on the Bible. Does that make us radical? It does now, doesn't it? In this day and age, I think, I think it does. But I, I kind of like being radical. Don't you? I mean, my best friend was the most radical person to ever walk the face of this earth. So we're, I'm okay being radical. I'm okay going against the flow, maybe a little too much sometimes, but we want to do that in an appropriate way. But we pray about these things, and we believe our children should be protected, don't we? And that's, that's, that's our unborn children as well and all the way through. So we're going to continue to pray and we're going to get charged up and we're going to do all of those things and, and we're just going to trust God that his will be done, however that that that's going to look. Um, we pray for our, our governor, especially as, as you know, that's a position where um, he gets pulled in every direction. No decision he makes can be right because somebody's going to be a mad, mad about. But we need people in that position that are not politicians, but those that will stand strong um, with good moral judgment. So let's pray for him to stand strong. Uh, four ways to give really quickly um, so we can get started here. We got online, bridgehelena.com. That website will be changing here pretty soon, I hope. Um, it will just make it super easy to interact on that. You can text 84321, whatever amount. There is no limit on the amount that you can put in there. You put whatever you want, big or little, it doesn't matter. Giving boxes, always a great way. We love to write checks, don't we? Um, or you can mail it to 725 Granite Avenue, Helena, Montana, 59601. Good, good to give. We know why we give. We're not going to spend too much time on that because we've got some cool stuff that we want to get to today. So let's pray as we begin this message. Father, once again, thank you so much that I can be in your house with all these people, Lord God. When your people gather together, you say, Lord, you say in your word where two or three are gathered, great things happen that the Holy Spirit, you are there as well. We got a lot more than two or three people and it just multiplies multiplies and it just gains. So Lord, thank you that we can be in your house this morning. Prepare us, Lord God. Um, prepare us for what we are about to receive because Lord God, your word truly is the, the food um, of life, the bread of life. So Lord God, prepare us, challenge us, convict us, Lord God. We welcome that challenge and that conviction. Holy Spirit, we give you rule and reign in this place today. So Holy Spirit, you allow me to speak those things that you want me to speak and you stop me from speaking anything that you don't want me to speak. And like always, Holy Spirit, I pray, I truly pray from everything within, that's within me that nobody leaves this building today the same way that they came in. Let them be changed. Let them be convicted. Let them be challenged. Let them put things into place. Let them glorify you. Let them seek your word. Let their prayer life be different. 
Lord, don't let any of us leave the same way that we came in. We pray this in the mighty name of our King, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone, shout it out one last time. Now you know that won't be the one last time, don't you? Not today. We're going to keep saying amen because we love that. Well, today... Today is a pretty amazing day when we really think about it. Today is the day we celebrate Palm Sunday, and we, we, we kind of know what that is. Some of us really know what that is. Other people are like, wait a second, Palm Sunday, what's that? I thought, I thought Easter was coming up and, and things like that. We're going to look into that, but Palm Sunday has a lot of significance. Uh, but we also have to, to temper that and, and understand and look at Palm Sunday the way that we need to be looking at Palm Sunday. See, it's an important event in, in what we know as the Passion Week. So, so with Jesus, it's not about just one day. Um, it's about an eternity. And, and here on earth, a lot of everything came back down into this one week, didn't it? It's a very, very important week that we know as Passion Week. So before we jump into the triumphant entry, which is known as Palm Sunday, let's, uh, let's take a look at... Uh, uh, let's take a look at what Passion Week is all about. Um, they're life-changing events. They're world, it's a world-changing week. It really is. So throw that up there. Here's kind of the outline of what's going on. So today it's the Triumphal Entry or Palm Sunday. Um, Next day, Jesus cleans the temple, right? He clears it out. We love that story. It's just a great story. It, it, it all works together. Day three, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives. Day four is, is Holy Wednesday. Day five is Passover and the Last Supper on Monday, Thursday. Day six is the trial, crucifixion, death, and burial known as Good Friday, Saturday. Saturday is the day that Jesus is in the tomb. People are wondering, has all hope been lost? What has happened? Everybody is reeling. But then there's day eight, isn't there? Day eight is Resurrection Sunday. Obviously, we'll, we will be celebrating and looking into day six and day eight. That day seven, though, if you're here on Friday, I hope you're affected enough to think about things on, on Saturday kind of process things and then be ready, to be ready to come back here for Resurrection Sunday that, that next day. Now you can read about all this great stuff. There's so much good stuff. And you can read about it in your Bibles. It's in Matthew 21. It's in Mark 11. It's in Luke 19. It's in John 12. Gosh, it's in a lot of places, isn't it? Must be kind of important. Must be kind of impactful. I would go as far to say this that the Passion Week is the most important week in the history of mankind. By far. There's nothing even close. No, no invention, no discovery that man has made comes close in importance to this period that we know as the Passion Week. See, the prophecies about the Messiah and the reconciliation of man's sins are quickly coming to a, to a climax. The promise of God is about to be made manifest as the love of the Father is poured out upon each and every one of us through the blood of His eternal Son, Jesus Christ. How incredibly powerful is that? It's so enormous. 
We, as people, tend to condense things down and we, we tend to take the, the, the snippets of everything and we, we go through life, even our Christian faith, and it's, and it's somewhat surface until we come to, to, a, to a time like this and we, we dig into the scriptures here and we, we think about how incredibly powerful this Passion Week actually is. So let us never take for granted the events of the Passion Week. May we be challenged in our own faith with these very things that we read about because as we will hopefully see today, none of us, None of us are above our human nature, that same human nature that we seem to be so tethered to. So we're going to talk a little bit about about maybe expectations, maybe reality, and then maybe our human nature and how they can all quickly come together and, and, and somewhat have conflict. So let's start out today. Let's look at Scripture and see how Passion Week begins. If you have your Bibles with you today, which I hope you do, turn to Matthew chapter 21. We will also have it up on screen, of course. Matthew 21, 1 through 5. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Before we continue in, in this account, we, we need to understand, we must remember that at this time in history, the Jews are under Roman rule, right? The Jews have been conquered. The, the Romans are in charge. They are, they are running the show. And, and the Jews, like, like anybody who is placed under control, they, they don't necessarily like to be under, under Roman rule. In their desire to be free of this foreign occupation, in their mind, right? In their mind, they have created an anticipation of how the Messiah would look and how the Messiah would come, right? We can sometimes fall into that same, same problem. The, the, the prototype they base their understanding upon was, was King David, well, well, the Messiah is going to look a lot like King David, the, the mighty military leader, the conqueror, the man that, that, that slayed the, the Goliath and led us in so many conquering battles. We've learned so much about him. Of course, our Messiah is going to look like that. See, the Jews expect, expected the Messiah to come in in that moment and rescue them from their current circumstances. It was all about the right now. How many of us have fallen into this same quagmire in our life? See, we find ourselves in a predicament, in a time of testing, in a time of tribulation, and our view quickly becomes only what is directly in front of us. How many of you have fallen into that? Be honest, here we all have. Now, absolutely, we should cry out to the Lord and seek his guidance and, and his wisdom and, and his will. 
but we are also to maintain a greater understanding that God is sovereign and God is infinite. With God, the eternal always outweighs the temporal. Right? God has an eternal perspective. God doesn't want to get you out of your situation right now so you can simply turn your back on Him. God says, I want to be with you for all eternity. See, most of the Jews in Jerusalem had their eyes focused on the now and were missing the eternal promise of what was about to take place. And that is why it must have been somewhat surprising, maybe even shocking to the sight of Jesus as he approaches Jerusalem on a donkey colt. One would expect the Messiah King who is going to deliver you from this Roman rule to be mounted upon some magnificent steed, right? With trumpets blaring and an army behind him and very proud with his chin lifted high to stroll in and really portray the power that he was holding. But it was quite different, wasn't it? Because yet here comes mounted on a rather small and unassuming animal, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This, this was, in fact, Jesus making a statement and showing a sign of his humility. It's that same humility that he extends to us. Let's look at verses 6 through 11. The disciples went and did what Jesus had directed them they brought the donkey and the colt and put them on and put them on their cloaks and he sat on them and most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting hosanna hosanna to the highest to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Can you even imagine what a sight to see? And we need to understand that this wasn't just a few people. This, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a social media post that got out of control and they shot from a certain angle and there was really only seven people. But, but, but by the way they took the picture, it looked like there was a whole lot more, right? It wasn't that at all. This was truly a major crowd. A major crowd had gathered. A major crowd had been watching. And there was a lot of activity and there was a lot of excitement in the crowd. There was, they were taking off their cloaks, right? They were taking off their very cloaks and they were placing them on the ground for, for the donkey to walk upon. And, and others, others were cutting branches, ripping them off the trees, cutting them down. And, and, and they were laying them down on the road and they were waving them in the air. It was very vivid. And it was truly a dynamic event. People were all shouting. People were all caught up. The people were all cheering, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine the crowd? Can you imagine what was going on? The atmosphere, it was electric. People were caught up in the excitement of the crowd. I would imagine that there were some who didn't particularly know who Jesus was. But man, when you're in that situation, it's hard not to get caught up with everyone else. Most of us have been there in some way, in some time or another. Maybe it was a sports event, right? Maybe you're at a sports event. You were there. It was live. It was a crowd. It was in a stadium. And maybe, maybe you're not necessarily a fan of either of the teams that were playing, or maybe you're not a fan of sports at all. But in that instant, in that, in, in that environment, man, you're on your feet, right? You're on your feet. You're cheering. You're high-fiving. You're flowing with the energy of the crowd. Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. People were into it. Look at verse 10. Again, look at verse 10. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? The whole city was getting into it, man. Who is this? Right on. Let's go. Grab your stuff. Woo, 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 woo. Grab your little foamy fingers, all of those things. Think somebody out there. Faces painted, right? Big JC right there. And, you know, there things were happening. The whole city was aroused. Now again, they might not have known what exactly was going on, but they knew something was going on. And they wanted to be a part of whatever was going on. And more and more people continued to be drawn in to this celebration. Truly a sight to see. And yet... They weren't seeing the true situation in all of its complex beauty. But Jesus did. Flip over to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, 44, 41 through 44. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. He focused upon their current circumstances and caught up in the excitement of the crowd. Jesus knew they were missing the true meaning of his entry. And he cried. Jesus cried. He, his heart wept for Jerusalem, for the people that, that live in Jerusalem. See, I often wonder if Jesus still weeps over man's 
rejection of his sacrifice. Because that's exactly what was happening here. How many times in my rejection, year after year, day after day, week after week, in my rejection, how many times did, did Jesus weep for me? Because I believe we see this same scenario being played out over and over and over. Just like the, the Jews in Jerusalem, this world is looking. They're looking for a way out. They are looking for answers. They are looking for significance. They are looking for hope. But the world just like those in Jerusalem are looking for what they want. And they're looking through temporal eyes. Lord, Lord, what can you do for me right now? Lord, I'll get all excited if you'll do something for me right now. Jesus, I'll, I'll cheer your name. I'll shout your name if you do something for me right now in my situation. This thing that I'm stuck in right now, it seems so big to me. Help me out of this, Jesus. Just help me right now. I need you right now. I'll praise you right now as long as you give it to me right now. And so the expectation of who Jesus should be becomes the limiting factor in how we accept the grace and forgiveness that Jesus extends. It's a very true statement. That's a harsh, harsh statement. But it's the expectation that you place upon Jesus is the same expectation that can become the limiting factor in how we accept his overall grace and forgiveness. The conviction and challenge starts to hit pretty close to home, doesn't it? How willing we are to celebrate Jesus has to be bound to how willing we are to follow him in persecution and even death. Something that I would say the crowd didn't quite understand. See, this takes us from the sensational to the rigorous. When we know the progression of the Passion Week, we also know that in a few very short days, instead of the crowd shouting, Hosanna in the highest, the crowd is shouting, crucify him, kill him, nail him up, let the murderer go and kill Jesus. Oh, how much I want to say that this would have never been me. I would have never been that person in the crowd. I wouldn't have gone from, from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. That wouldn't have been me. But how many times am I that very person? See, publicly, publicly we can get caught up in anything. The crowd can push us along, can't it? We get caught up in the excitement and the emotion of the crowd, and, and that can be a good thing, and that can be a bad thing, and it can definitely be a Jesus thing. Isn't, isn't that what church is? I mean, honestly, isn't that what Sunday mornings are? We, we come together, 
Hang out in the new cool coffee place. Get a special coffee with a skirt kind of drink. Lots of sugar, lots of caffeine. Oh, these beans are so good. What kind is it? Oh, this is, oh, how have you been? We've been good. We're all doing good. And then we come in here. And Jin begins to lead us in worship, and it just starts to multiply. And man, today, I'll tell you what, today we were singing. Because sometimes right up here, I like to just stop singing. And most everybody around me are like, thank God, pastor, stop singing. But I like to stop singing, and I just like to listen. And, and honestly, I'm not listening to Jim. I'm not listening to the mains. I'm listening to the voices that are coming behind me. Man, it's, it's everybody, man. It's a, it's a charged up place. We're singing. We're praising God. We're excited. We're all together. We're getting caught up into worship. That is a great, great thing, and that's what church is. See, we come together greet each other. We worship together. We learn together. This time right now, we're together. We're learning together. We, we respond. At the end of service, there's a response time, and we respond in an atmosphere of community, right? There's people here. If I want to bring something to the altar, I can bring it, and just maybe the Holy Spirit will send somebody up to pray with me, or maybe I'm going to pray with somebody else, or maybe I'm just going to worship together. It's, it's, it's a great time. It is a great crowd. See, we get caught up in the excitement and the emotion of the service. And you should. And when it's all about Jesus, I'll tell you what, it's amazing. But it has to be so much more than that. Because though we may leave this building different than when, when, when we came in, we don't always stay different, do we? Because the next emotional high or low can quickly whisk us away. It can give us a spiritual amnesia as our attention moves on to the next crowd-pleasing connection. As much as we like to celebrate Palm Sunday, we must make sure in our hearts we never leave it as simply a Sunday celebration with the church crowd. Amen. You know how many people right now are looking for the, the church that has, has the crowd, the emotion to get built up in that, and they just, they just want to surf that crowd. They don't want to press into Jesus. They just want to surf that wave, and they surf that wave all the way out into their daily, weekly routine, and they're caught up in something else. They go from emotional experience to emotional experience, from crowd to crowd to crowd. And we got to be careful about that because here's the deal. Jesus, Jesus wants to triumphantly enter your life. That's right. And that looks a whole lot more like a lamb than a lion. It looks like Jesus coming on the colt of a donkey than on a powerful, muscular steed in a suit of armor. Now, please don't think that I am down on Palm Sunday, not at all. But please let us see Palm Sunday for what it really is. You know what Palm Sunday really is? 
If you, if you grew up with Palm Sunday, it's like, oh, well, in Sunday school, we took a palm frond and we folded it into a cross and then we could give that to our parents and they, they hung it on their refrigerator until it became a fire hazard. It dried out so much. And then the next year we did the same. And, and oh, I remember one time at church, it was just this awesome celebration. And, and as we left church, everybody got a palm and we waved it in the parking lot cheering and everybody around the church and the neighborhoods were going like, what are they doing? What is going on? But, but there's, this, there's this significance to Palm Sunday that, that from Sunday school and different times of church services, we remember those things. But, but the reality, the reality of what Palm Sunday really is, Palm Sunday is the first steps of Jesus on his way to his death upon a cross. That's the reality of Palm Sunday. Our celebration should always be in sight of the sacrifice. Not only Jesus' sacrifice, but also our sacrifice. Yes, Jesus was entering Jerusalem and the, the celebration continued to grow and the, the crowd, the excitement, the electricity within all the shouting. I wonder if anybody in that moment was recalling the words of Jesus in Luke 9. Luke 9, 23. And he, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to me, to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. I just wonder in that moment, of excitement, if anybody at all was remembering these words. See, accepting Jesus demands not only believing in the truth of the gospel, but also accepting the sacrificial element that is required to follow him. We love the happy Jesus, but we don't always love the sacrificial element when it's, when it's pertaining to Jesus. See, it has to be more than the feel-good moments and the feel-good message and the blessings and the highs. It has to be more than just the celebration of the crowd because it has to be also the hard times, the persecution times, and the foot at the cross times. I think John the Baptist, I was thinking about this, praying about it. And I was like, man, John the Baptist is such a good example here for Palm Sunday. It's like, what is the connection there? Okay, God, help me think this through. But, but see, before the triumphant entry, before the excitement of the crowd, before the shouting and the fanfare, it was John the Baptist, he was at work. He was proclaiming the way. Look at John chapter 1, 29 through 31. The next, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. See, John, John wasn't a crowd kind of guy. He wasn't in the crowd but rather he was pointing the crowd toward Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And despite the crowds of people and despite the religious leaders, John stood firm in what he knew, in what he believed, and in what men he continued to make it all about Jesus. See, too easily, we can become about the excitement of the crowd instead of being about Jesus. What are you celebrating? I don't even know. But the rest of the crowd is, so I'm going to join in. And, and Jesus, somewhere in his heart, is still weeping, saying, boy, if you just knew, if you just knew, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, it was no sway. It was no compromise. It was not being swept away with the masses. See, outside church, outside church, we need to be more like John. It's real easy to be a powerful Christian, a faithful Christian inside church on Sunday morning, isn't it? Of course it is. When we walk out these doors, do we still have that excitement? I hope so. Do we still have that, that firmness? Are we still steadfast in our faith like John the Baptist was? See, there are a lot of people who are going to try and are trying through their excitement, through their charisma, through their promises, and even through their fear-mongering. They're trying to distract us. They're trying to divert us to cause us to question the truth. It's happening all the time, all the time. And if not diligent and firm in our faith, one moment we are praising God with all the saints and the next we are complying to the ideologies that run contrary to scripture because after all the crowd is compelling and yes, I'm talking to us Christians here. It's from things such as the deity of Jesus Christ. That's questioned, isn't it? The, necessary, the necessity for a Savior found only in the Son. That's being questioned. Jesus is the only avenue to the Father. The reality of the rapture. Scripture itself. Those that are anti-literal Scripture, boy, they can get exciting. We can get caught up in that. We can start to question things. But then it can flip all the way to the other side. And, and the charisma and the excitement and the passion and the fear-mongering can be, can be about agendas that, that seek to replace the, the literal creation story with evolution. The absence of absolute truth. The LGBTQ agenda or the pro-choice deception. They have loud voices. They have rallies. They seek 
to cause us to question our own faith and the biblical truth that we know is contained in here. Romans 12, 2, you guys know it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Sounds like it takes a little bit of effort, doesn't it? Who should be afraid of effort? Absolutely no Christian should be afraid of putting effort into your own faith. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Worship team, if you guys would quietly come up here. I'm not going to say I struggled with this message in any way, shape, or form, but what I kept thinking is, is, you know, this might not be the same kind of Palm Sunday message that people are used to. This might not be what they're expecting, but Lord, thank you so much that we can question our religion and question our traditions, right? We should always seek to do that to, to attain the truth as best we can. So if I take today's message and I thought, maybe I should just try to boil this all down. Maybe I should just kind of kind of grab like all that snow, pack it into one solid little snowball, even though we're all sick of snow right now. We're just going to take this message. We're going to pull it all together. Today's number one takeaway is this. Don't get caught up in the crowds of men. Get caught up with Jesus himself. Amen. And though that may seem very simple, very elementary, there's a lot of truth in that. Because our human nature causes us to want to get caught up in the crowds of men. The emotional excitement that flows when people are shouting and and sharing and and we want to be a part of that crowd because innately built within us is this desire for connection, right? And if we can connect to that crowd and, and unfortunately the enemy gets a hold of that and he can use that to pull us. He can pull us to the different, oh, there's a parade in town. It's a parade. I just want to go to the parade. You better know what that parade is promoting their story time in our downtown areas oh I'm gonna take my kids it's story you better know who's conducting that story time and, and, and what that is promoting it's all of those things right we got to take into account all of those things we have to guard against getting caught up with the crowds of men so that our focus is upon Jesus himself And we can eventually, in the not-too-distant future, I pray, get caught up with Jesus, taken away from this place in a wonderful time. We need to be vigilant. We need to be looking. We need to put effort into that. See, your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior has to be your faith. It's not your grandparents' faith. 
It's not your parents' faith. It's not your aunt's faith. It's not your kid's faith. It's not your friend's faith. It's not even your pastor's faith. Your faith has to be your own. When your faith becomes your own, your eyes focus and are caught up with Jesus and you begin to question the crowd. It's okay to question the crowd. If I'm on vacation and I go to another church, not this church, and I walk into that church, I'm questioning that crowd. Okay, Holy Spirit, is this a good church? Got to do that anymore, don't you? Is this a good church? Are they after you? Ooh, Holy Spirit, this is a great church. Thank you, man. I, you're here. I'm here. We're here. I'm going to celebrate with this crowd. I'm going to get. I'm going to get involved with this crowd, but I'm not going to be shooed away and whisk away with this crowd. Because I want to focus on the Savior King. It's riding on that little donkey called. Man, people are pushing me. They're pushing me in the crowd. They're shouting in my ear, but my eyes, they got to be fixed. They got to be fixed on the man that's on the donkey. And I got to be remembering, I got to die to myself. I got I to gotta die to myself. I, I got I to gotta take up my cross. I'm seeing you, Jesus, but I'm seeing your sacrifice. I'm seeing your crucifixion, but I'm also seeing your resurrection. I got to get some tunnel vision that though I can celebrate with the crowd, which we're about to do, right? We're going to worship again. We're going to celebrate with the crowd. But individually, my eyes, they got to be on Jesus. My faith has to be my own. We pull those lights down. Go ahead and pull those lights all the way down. Like I alluded to before, our, 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 our service, we get copy, we worship, we, we get the word. You know, all of those things are great. But the reality is, is all of those things point to, to one aspect of the service, and that's the response time. Some of you didn't grow up in church where they provide a response time. Some of you have gone to churches where they don't provide a response time. But to me, the most important part of church besides Jesus is the response time because it's the time where we can directly interact with Jesus, right? That can be always, obviously, but I've been talking and distracting you of such things. It's time for me to shut up. It's time to enter back into worship. And it's time to open up these altars for a response time. I would say this, if you've been guilty of being caught up in the crowd, if you have been guilty of listening to the loud voices of this world, if you have been guilty of taking your eyes off of Jesus and allowing them to stray into other places, I would say this morning is a great time. This Palm Sunday, the start of Passion Week, to just bring it to the altar and just apologize. Just repent. Jesus, I'm sorry. Help me to not be that way anymore, Lord. He is so loving and humble and beautiful that he'll say, you know what? I know you did that. But I've atoned for that. I've I've always I've already taken care of that. So so now that you're bringing it to me, let's just Let's just start fresh. Let's start fresh in our, in our relationship. Let's start fresh in the intensity of this connection between you and me. 
Jesus is so loving that he does that for each one of us. So if you have been away, if you have been here but been far, if you've been guilty of any of those things, as we enter into these last couple songs, man, I would say get up, get to the altar, let's celebrate with each other, let's pray with each other. And the rest of this week, let's keep in mind this thing that we know is the Passion Week. All the different emotions involved. Watching our Savior. Let's get into Scripture. Let's, if you've got a Bible reading plan, that's fine. Read it. But come back to this Passion Week as well. So I'm going to pray. We're going to open up these altars. I will meet you guys at the altar. Father, thank you for response time. Lord God, thank you for bringing us to this time. Lord God, thank you for the wonderful message, your word, your truth. Thank you for the story of Palm Sunday, of of Passion Week itself. But Lord God, help us to never leave it as just a story. Lord God, every, every, every person that comes to you experiences their own Passion Week. Help us to, to not lose focus of that. Lord God, help us to not lose focus of you. If we have done any of those things, Lord, we repent. As a church, if we have done any of those things, we repent. We ask for your forgiveness, and we ask that in that place, you may just sock us full of even more of the anointing of the beautiful Holy Spirit. Jesus, we lift your name on high. And Jesus, we pray all things to you, in you, and your name. And everyone shout it out. Amen. What an absolutely exciting time to be alive, right? Invite people. Invite people to Good Friday. Invite people to Rest Sunday. Communicate with them. Buy them a copy. We'll give them a free copy. Sit with them. We need to get our message out because our message is the only true message of truth and hope. Amen? Be blessed today. Be blessed this week. Read your scriptures. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.